Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This was a vague memory up until recently, when I spoke to my dad about a recurring dream that I was having. To my dismay, he confirmed that the dream was actually something that happened to me when I was younger, and filled in some of the hazy details. These details are what I'm going to share with you now. It was 1995, and I just moved into an upper-class neighborhood in southwest Florida. Compared to my previous neighborhood, it was full of professional adults, as well as elderly couples. This neighborhood was a haven full of children my age, and even a neighborhood park with a community pool. Things started to get weird right from the get-go. Just our third night in the new house, and I heard weird tapping on my window as I tried to fall asleep. Being as my bed was up against the wall where the window was, I wasn't about to sit up and investigate. The tapping continued for about 20 minutes, but I must have fallen asleep because the next thing I knew, it was morning. I thought maybe it had been a dream, put it out of my mind for as long as I could. I got ready for school and went to the bus stop. While waiting for the bus, with my sister who was two years older than me, This older man comes walking up to the both of us and starts to talk about how he wishes his daughter was around on the weekdays so that he could see her off onto the bus and so she would have company on the ride to school. He then offered to drive us to school since the bus seemed to be late that morning in his own approximation. We knew better though, politely declined, feeling relieved when the big yellow bus pulled up a few moments later. He seemed disappointed but still maintained a smile and told us to have a great day. We decided to tell our parents because we thought that they would get mad at us for talking to someone that we didn't know. That night, the creepiness reached a whole new level. I heard the same tapping on the window, only now it was more distinct and definitely stronger. I turned over, thinking my blinds would be down, only to realize in horror that they were pulled three quarters of the way up. I was face to face with the creep from earlier, as he just stared at me. A slight smirk on his face. He told me to unlock the window so I could come outside and play with him and his daughter. Being on the spectrum, I trusted people way too easily, and as I thought about how fun it would be disregarding the time, I said in full sincerity, Let me ask my mom. His face turned into the scowl I'll never forget, as he banged on the window and demanded that I open it immediately. At this point, my dad comes into the room and turns on my light. Having heard some of my side of the conversation, he pieced together what was going on and made eye contact with the guy for about two seconds 
before running outside after him. He didn't catch up with him, but he did call the police. It turns out the man did have a daughter that he had lost custody of due to being convicted of essaying her. She didn't live with him and had not done so in years. I don't remember what he was charged with, but I believe he spent a little time in prison since he was on the registry. To this day, I'm glad that my dad was so quick to jump into action, but I'm even more glad that we always kept our windows locked. Who knows the trouble that it kept me out of that night. When I was in high school, my best friend and I took college courses at a local community college because our school didn't offer AP. And it's common for low-income schools to connect their high-achieving students to nearby colleges instead. We were usually the youngest people in every class. Since we started as juniors, and were the youngest in our classes anyway, we were 16 when this all happened. Admittedly, we were very naive. Small towns do that to you. We had a composition class our first semester and made friends with two college freshmen who were cousins. We hung out a lot with them, and we were generally nice to everyone in the class, even the weird girl. And she was weird, like in a 2000s movies cliche weird girl. Long hair, big glasses, tall, willowy, and big-eyed. Plain Jane and soft-spoken, but friendly, even sweet. We sat by her, and one day we had to trade essays. I don't remember what hers was about, but it struck up a conversation between us, leading me to introduce myself and tell her what surrounding school I was from. She actually told us she lived about 10 miles away from there with her parents, and she worked at a local grocery store. This started a seed of friendship, but it never went too far because while my friend and I were friendly, we were still very shy. We didn't really know how to make the transition between acquaintance and friend because our town was so small. Friends were kind of built in after a few years, you know? Every time I went to that grocery store, though, I saw her. I would use her as my cashier and tell her about my day and my life. Little things like, I'm applying to this college and these snacks are for after the football game when I have a sleepover with friends. She always seemed so sweet to the point where my friend and I promised we would go see a movie with her soon. This was an eventual thing that we didn't make solid plans for. We wanted to, but it just never lined up. During this entire time, she would give us little nuggets of information. Her parents were strict. She worked a lot. She's been homeschooled. She was going to the local college to be a nurse one day. One day I come home from school, and my mom shows me a local story on Facebook. A mother, father, and adult daughter had been arrested for abusing a foster child. He had been locked in the closet and kept there for months with little food or water. Sometimes he was forced to sleep in a dog cage. Somehow, he survived long enough for DHS to realize he was in bad shape and that he needed help. The adult daughter, as I'm sure you can guess, was the girl I went to class with. The girl I spoke to every week when I bought lunch for school the girl I said I would see a movie with. The girl who tried to befriend me and my best friend for months. She had gone home every day and knew that a child was being horrifically abused and kept like an animal under her same roof as she did nothing about it. She could have told someone. She could have told us. 
She wasn't locked away in that house. She spent at least 40 hours a week in that grocery store, ringing up little church grandmas and sweet old men with a smile on her face that looked oh so genuine. In her mugshot, she looked 180 degrees different. So, Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Angry and mean. I didn't follow the case closely, but she's locked up now, and I haven't seen her since. What gets me the most is I sat in class with her. I read her essay, gave her editing tips. I spoke with her gave her details about my life, and she told me about hers. I never had an inkling of the darkness that she was capable of hiding. She just looked like an awkward girl who hadn't yet grown into herself, like someone who wanted to make something of herself while checking out regulars at a tiny grocery store in a tiny town. But she abused a child, a boy who will spend a large portion of his life healing from that abuse, and I just never had a clue. I think of her sometimes, writing that essay that I read, comfortable in her bedroom. While in the next room, a boy is being forced in a closet with no food. He was only five years old. A baby. At any time, she could have told our professor, the college staff, anyone. She had the power to stop it, and she didn't. As an adult, I can see that she was most likely abused herself. Maybe not to that degree, Maybe worse. And while I'd love to give her the benefit of the doubt, I just can't bring myself to it. I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is people can be really good at hiding things just below the surface. And you never really know who you're sitting next to in your English class. I'm a 20-year-old guy, although this took place when I was 13 or 14 years old. It's important that I note, I've always been a bigger, older-looking kid. At the time, I was roughly 6 foot 1, 200 pounds, and was in moderately decent shape since it was football season. I guess I just thought since I was such a big guy, nothing could ever happen to me. Well, this story is about the night that proved me wrong. This particular evening, I had gotten into an argument with my parents and needed to take a walk to blow off some steam. I had a set route I'd usually take to get to this park located on the other side of my neighborhood. By the time I arrived at the park, nightfall had fully set in. I made my way to the only lit-up corner of the park, sat down at a bench, and began listening to music on my phone. At this point, I was completely comfortable in my surroundings, dropping my guard as this was during a time where my relationship with my family was 
just a bit strained, so coming here had become something of a regular occurrence. A few songs in, I noticed a car pull up to the unlit side of the park, and then immediately turn its headlights off. It was a silver SUV, but I couldn't tell what model or how many people were in the vehicle from where I was sitting. I didn't think much of it, though. This really wasn't anything out of the ordinary. My neighborhood is rather large and divided into multiple parts, so people would frequently get lost trying to navigate it. I simply assumed the driver had stopped to pull up directions on their phone. Nearly ten minutes would pass, and the vehicle still hadn't moved, which began to make me a bit nervous for some reason. The thought crossed my mind that whoever was in the car could be watching me, and as unlikely as the thought seemed, it was enough to get me to want to leave the park. As I was getting up, the vehicle turned its headlights back on. A sick feeling formed in my stomach, and I quickly made my way out of the park, breaking my usual route to ensure I didn't have to go anywhere near that car. At this point, I didn't quite know what to do. I wanted to call my mom to come pick me up, but given the argument we just had, I stupidly convinced myself that calling her wouldn't be the right thing to do. I made my way to the end of the block, mentally preparing myself to wrap around the block and start heading back in the direction of the park, as that was the only way home. Just seconds later, as I reached the end of the street, the same car pulled out in front of me and came to a screeching halt. Not quite processing what was happening, I simply stopped walking and watched as the driver, an older man with a baseball cap and an unsettling smile that I could just barely make out in the darkness, said, Hey, you okay, buddy? You need a ride somewhere? There wasn't anything out of the ordinary about his voice, but as he spoke to me, my stomach tied itself in knots. All I could do was mutter out a soft no before the man reached all the way over and opened the passenger side door. Hop in. We can go anywhere you like, buddy. Snapping out of my state of shock, I darted off behind the car without saying another word. I heard the man try to call out to me as I started running, but I couldn't make out what he said. I heard his car speed off as I continued to put as much distance between me and him as I possibly could. I made it a good few blocks away before I felt comfortable enough to stop running and decided to finally start making my way back home. Not long after, I heard a car coming up behind me as they slam into a quick stop, which made my heart feel like it was going to shoot out of my chest. My nerves settled pretty quickly as I realized it was my mom, who set out to look for me after I didn't come home. She rolled down her window and began yelling at me to get into the car. But something was off in her voice. She didn't sound angry, just more panicked. I did as she said, asking what was wrong as we pulled off. She told me she had just been by the park to look for me and saw a car which had the same description as the one that I encountered, partially blocking the road to shine its headlights into the park. She says as she pulled up, the car quickly pulled back out and sped off. Call it mother's intuition, I guess, but she immediately assumed I was involved somehow. Though I denied anything happened, as I've never really been someone who can talk about anything real with my family, my mom still reported the car to the police, and that was that. I've never told my family what really happened, and I haven't really ever spoken about this until now. The situation didn't stop me from going out for walks when I needed to de-stress, and I guess you can just credit that to me being a stupid teenage boy. I was certainly more cautious of my surroundings 
Like I said, that was that. I never saw that man again. I never saw that car again. And I moved on with my life. I can look back now and use this as an interesting story to tell people. But I truly was incredibly lucky to get out of that situation unharmed. I still get the feeling that something bad would have happened if I hadn't decided to leave that park. Or if I hadn't been able to get away. Would I really have been able to bring myself to fight back if needed? Maybe I wouldn't be here now. Or maybe I'd be left with much, much worse memories of that night. All I can say without a doubt is that a man had truly awful intentions. And I'm sincerely lucky to be here now. Moral of the story? Be careful when you go out for walks at night. Always be aware of your surroundings. It doesn't matter who you are. Anything can happen if someone has bad intentions. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 